Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Dynasty As They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host and husband, Kyler K. Jafari. Kyler, it's been a while. It's been a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll start out with an apology for not being around. Oh, no, not me. I'm, I'm unapologetic. Yeah, I don't know. Do we have? Do we need to give a reason why we haven't... <laughs> uploaded this episode no reason uh i got a new job there's been a global pandemic and um yeah we've just been wow lots and lots of excuses those are only two are you counting two's a trend three's your friend four on the floor (laughs) five is more (laughs) nine ten a big fat hen Anyway, we're back. A lot has been going on in the world of Dynasty. We had some amazing documentaries on Joan and her sister Jackie come out. Hope everybody watched that. We've got the Men of Dynasty doing an event, Cocktails with the Carringtons, which I spoke to them about. There's a bonus episode, I think, before this one. So go listen to that first, I guess, if you want to. Just go check it out. Go listen to me talk to Gordon Thompson, John James, and Jack Coleman. It's the the men of Dynasty? You know, the brothers of Dynasty. That would have been more appropriate. Because I want to, I don't know, what about the housewives of Dynasty? What about the You know what we didn't really. Housekeepers. We didn't really talk about, like, what I about really. the stable boys of Dynasty? I mean, there's so many. Well, what did you think of the, I think it was produced by the BBC, but the Joan Collins documentary where she basically just went through her entire life. I think as far as documentaries go, it's actually really well put together. Clearly some unreleased archival you know footage etc etc yeah and she 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 was so forthcoming about her relationships or heard before so yeah yeah yeah. she was so forthcoming about her relationships and i liked that the device of her looking at old footage because i remember when i got to talk to joan what was it last year two years ago 20 years ago you know she's an older gal so she doesn't remember everything like it was yesterday so i thought it was nice that she had these kind of refreshers and then i don't know she's still such a pistol i can't believe you just called joan old what did i say old gal a distinguished lady (laughs) a distinguished lady oh god we're we're gonna go away for another year bye (laughs) 
<laughs> this is off to a terrible start. All right. Well, we, of course, we do have a cocktail with us, Kyler. This cocktail is very green, almost like an ectoplasm neon. And there's a big leaf just plopped right on top like it's a lily pond um, in a martini glass here. So what are we having? Well, it's a cocktail glass on a martini glass. And this is a last a word. on moi. And this is a last word. Oh, we've had this before. On the show. On the show. Well, in real life and on the show. I don't know. Anyway. Well, it's, it's one of my favorite occasional drinks. Like, I don't want it all the time, but it's like a really excellent drink. It's fitting because today we're talking about the season three finale, The Cabin. So, last well, episode. Aren't last you word. sharp? Oh, is that why you did it? Ching, ching. Did you spill it on the microphone? <laughs> Can you tell we're rusty at podcasting? Should we just get into the episode? Is there anything, any more chatter to I chat I mean, about? I don't know. Are we supposed to make excuses for ourselves or re- I started recap what's been going on for the last 365 days? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I want to like come up with an excuse, I've just been doing a silent protest because for some reason, Dynasty still has not been added to Paramount Plus, something I did talk with the men of Dynasty about, and... Um, I don't know. I'm just very upset that we can't stream it anywhere. Listeners can't stream it anywhere except if you pay, you know, whatever, $2 per episode. It does seem like a missed opportunity. I mean, they made that shitty, you know, new version of it. You would think that the original would therefore be available to call a new audience. I, I don't know. but Yeah, well, when they started the new version... Or is they... it just tied up in rights? Is there, is there like some you know backroom smoky deal i asked the men of dynasty about that and they said they didn't know so i i really it's an unsolved mystery get robert stack on it i mean even john james pointed out having to pay two or three dollars per episode is nobody's gonna do it nobody's gonna do it yeah so nobody's got dynasty bucks to watch dynasty so yeah if i'm if i'm being honest it's hard to get excited about this when it's not readily accessible of course there's the dvd box set but that's a hundred dollar investment. Well, that's and a also, lot. who's doing that? I mean, let's just get real. Physical media is a dead art form, and like nobody's going to buy a box set of anything. I know. Well, I made that joke to the men of dinosaurs. Oh, where do you too. even play it? Like a laptop or a, even a modern day personal computer does not have a way to play a DVD. So yeah, you have you, to find a PlayStation you, Five. You, right, you've got to find a gaming device, which <laughs> like is not really intended to play DVD. <laughs> to watch a forty-year-old soap opera. So I, yeah, in what world does that chemistry work out? You know. Yeah, so I guess I'm just sort of disenchanted that it's not readily available. But we're still watching, and we're gonna wrap up this third season with a really spectacular finale. I think the cabin. So should we take a break and get into it? Well, I would just say that I refer to the price episode is a barn burner but this one's like almost literally a barn burner a cabin burner yeah Mm -hmm. it's fire it's lit cabin my cabin (laughs) all right let's take a break and we'll get into this week's episode i shouldn't say this week's (laughs) and we'll get into this (laughs) year's episode the cabin (laughs) no i'll play that cut that welcome back Okay, so let me just start off by saying I can see in the cabin why modern television is so obsessed with flashbacks, flash forwards, whatever, because this episode really should have started with that cabin on fire. 
because the whole episode, well, the majority of the episode is really this who done it setting up the suspects of who could be burning the cabin. Oh, yeah, down. this episode is served up with a big dash of Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally Scooby Doo. I mean, right with the zooming in on all of the suspects and them clearly stating their motive for possibly wanting to burn the house down. But anyway, I don't know that I just wish that the episode had started with the fire and then we kind of went back or I don't know. I guess I, and I know what you're getting at, but I don't agree because I don't think this episode's got anything really to do with the cabin burning down at the end. Well, I see that's just sort of a, a, a narrative device, but I don't think. That's what we're really talking about in this episode. I think these stunts, as we can call them, are kind of like ratings devices. Oh, Go, yeah. Going back with... Well, and this is the season finale, so right. yes, bring on the ratings. Right, like going back to when Blake was trapped on the mountain and looking ahead when you have stuff like the Moldavian Massacre. This show was really going to have a big stunt at the end of every season. I don't know what some of the other ones are. Well, I mean, it's at this point, it's kind of old hat. This is how they make TV. Even today, they still kind of do that. You know? It's so old-fashioned when you think about it, though, because this episode ends with the fire, and then you're going to go the whole damn summer, and you're not going to see any more Dynasty. I mean, now we stream everything. We watch it 12 episodes in a row. The art of the cliffhanger is kind of dead now. Well, remember when What's-Her-Name bitches and moans in misery about, like, cheap writing and cliffhangers and the cock end of the story and blah 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 who are you talking about uh, misery you know I, I i forget the book but the movie you know played by kathy bates oh I mean, oh is, i thought you were this just... isn't this is an old complaint you know that the, was a stephen king novel. the idea yes yeah. the idea of like cheap cliffhanger storytelling and like you know it's just a way to force you to have to come back next time which like at this point we didn't want to come back next time but <laughs> here we are so. i know we literally left everybody uh, on a cliff hanger and we actually got some emails <laughs> that said that so oh god we got called out but yeah i mean it's funny now i'm like nostalgic for cliffhangers i i'm i'm not really but i think because they're so it's such a campy device and i don't they yeah. weren't originally but they are now and so for that reason i appreciate a a cheesy cliffhanger so well it really kind of comes out of nowhere i mean i think they were promoting and building up this this cabin fire there was like print ads and there were commercials and stuff like that so i guess you kind of did know that alexis and crystal were going to be trapped in a burning cabin well i guess at this point in the show it had finally found its audience and oh for so sure they were you know this was just sort of a, a publicity extravaganza, I'm sure. I would say, okay, so now that we're at the end of this season, this is sort of the zenith of the show. And I think f seasons four and five sort of continue that plateau. Um, so this is sort of like the golden age of Dynasty in a way. Yeah, um, totally. So we're so we're there and we're going to stay there for a good couple more seasons. And uh, You so, mean yeah. the show, not us necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I can't say that we are, but... Mm, TBD. Well, anyway let's let's go back i mean obviously the cabin stuff is at the very end but it's clearly not about cabins burning down it's got kind of a couple of things going on like on the surface level you've got alexis's dastardly deeds you know this is what she does and then i think there's a heavy like subtext of it's not even a subtext it's clearly on the screen but like the the gay narrative yeah um, the stuff with blake and steven really like comes the, to you don't have to look episode. for it it's right there you know but but if you dig into it it gets a little bit more more serious than just like ooh Steven's gay 
and he's got this friend living in his apartment at the El Royale. Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the friend, Chris Deegan, and we're talking about the baby, and we're saying the F word, apparently. Ah, I yeah. was clutching my pearls. Well, you know, I mean, this was this was a specific time when that was still a thing, you know? Like, whatever. It's not offensive. It was actually. pretty sensational, though, because nobody, no character actually said the F word. They were, it was Alexis asking, oh, did you call him the F word? It's like, you didn't need to say it. Well, but that's because Alexis is sort of like the fairy godmother, as it were. I mean, she's clearly an advocate well and she and loves to jump to conclusions because she's a powerful woman she seems to be in a position to state that you know this isn't a, a bad thing and you people can all just deal with the fact that my son is and you know it's it's kind of interesting that she's in a position of power and she also gets to have that opinion in the narrative yeah so. Well, I was absolutely triggered when Blake showed up at Stephen's uh, new place and Stephen wasn't there because he's going to visit Claudia, who is mentioned, but we don't see her again, which I know is probably a total bummer for you, a big you know, Claudia super fan. We'll get to that in a second. But I, what I think is interesting is the Chris Deegan character is written, it's, uh, it's so strident. I mean, he basically just walks right into the trap. He just <laughs> says all of it, like... Oh, we're friends. I moved in last night. Oh, that's the baby. I'll go get him. You know, like like how many like things can we just like cram into the Blake Carrington hates fags? <laughs> well, as much you, as I you know detest uh not John Forsythe, but as much as I detest like how misogynistic and homophobic Blake is, I do love John Forsythe's uh portrayal in that scene where he's just getting hotter and yeah. hotter as yeah. it, it's getting gayer and gayer and he's just mm. realizing like how far down the rainbow Stephen is going. I'll be damned if I'm going to let two gays raise that baby. It's cheap vaudeville, honestly. And one must wonder, how did this play at the time? I mean, we know how it seems today, but was this was this extreme even then? Or was this just how uneducated audiences would have... Were, were they viewing this through the lens of Blake Harrington, essentially? I think probably both. I mean, we're still talking about these issues today I when know. it comes to don't say gay and parenting, like... It's pretty revolutionary that in the 80s, this, you know, we had a gay father, a single gay father, and who has a, a friend who's also gay coming well, to the Well, but we're also not supposed to say baby. gay because maybe he's bisexual. Maybe it doesn't matter. Well, maybe listen he's to, fluid. It listen does not matter. Listen to the bonus episode with the men of Dynasty because I talk about a bisexual Stephen Carrington and Jack Coleman has thoughts. So we'll just leave that at that. But yeah, I was definitely more intrigued with what was happening with Steven and Blake. And then that fucking petty bastard cuts him out of the shares of Denver Carrington. <sighs> okay, so that's presented as originally Andrew Laird, the lawyer, puts this idea into Blake's head that, oh, but what if he were to hand over the shares to Alexis, right? Because Which is a great point. Yeah, I love Andy that's, Laird. That's, for that's a lawyerly that thing to point out. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, Blake says, I don't think he'd do that. He's a man of honor. But then he shows up at his uh, at his apartment at the El Royale, and suddenly it's gay panic all over the, the, the city. So then it's like, oh, now I'm cutting out your share. Oh, he's not honorable because he's banging Chris Deegan, the cardboard lawyer. Rude. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is he could have done worse than Chris Deegan. I mean, 
you know, he's easy on the eyes. Not my style, but, you know. But I think they really are just friends, and that's not 1980s code for lovers. I think they're just friends, and they're both gay. Well, it's both. It can be both, but yeah. Gay men can be friends and not fuck each other. No, it's... I think, okay, I, I'm, glad, I'm actually glad you brought that up because they could just be friends, but they could be friends who are gay and are friends because, like, they have a, a, a commonality there, right? Yeah. Which is to say that maybe they're not lovers, mm-hmm. but maybe they're just friends, but that's still a problem, too, you know, because the gays getting together is a problem in any situation for Blake Carrington. So. Well, I got to say, if you're a gay single dad, find you a man who is a lawyer who will also babysit your child. That's hot. Yeah. The other big kind of plot point that's going on here is Kirby with child. Now, I have to admit, I kind of saw this coming that Adam Carrington was going to be the the real dad cuz yeah, I did the I did the numbers. I didn't need to see the the, the rape flashback. <laughs> I did not see need to see the rape flashback. I mean, you said you love flashbacks, so here here you got it. I know. I that's not the kind of flashback I wanted to see. I wanted to see a flash should th- forward. Should this have started with that? I'm having hot burning? flashes just thinking about it and not in a good way um and also go listen to the bonus episode because gordon did talk about the the rape so but yeah so i guess it's not a total shock for the audience but kirby did get it confirmed by dr winifred or whatever his name is so many doctors in this episode dr convention nurses at the sanatorium and then the OBGYN who confirms to kirby that she's not one month pregnant, but three months pregnant. And I don't think she was banging Jeff, so yeah, that only is, leaves Adam. This is another one of those old, like, mm, you know, like, let's do the math. Was it three months ago? Was it one month ago? Which one was it? And, you know, I I don't know. Like, are we really supposed to accept that this might be, you know, Adam's child? Well, I think that's what they're pointing to. And I just love how the doctor who... <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Lots of women have premarital sex with their husbands. And meanwhile, Kirby's like, well, I actually was, uh, you know, raped by my stepbrother, half-brother. I don't know what the relation is there. Brother-in-law. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I didn't even consider that part. Brother-in-law. I mean, the thing Wait, is... Wait, no, he's not related to them. Well, no, he's supposed to be. Adam isn't related to Jeff. Oh, no, no, yeah. Yeah. It's so, so confusing. <sighs> it's a big, di- it's, it's it's like a big dynasty. It's like the Yeah, like- Yeah, I mean, for me, that was the real cliffhanger is, like, how is she going to explain this to Jeff? Like, is she just going to keep the baby and say that it's Jeff's? Is she going to get an abortion? Is she going to explain it to Jeff? And then he's obviously going to go nuclear on Adam. Like, I don't know. To me, I was more into that than the stupid gasoline on the shed. I mean, it's kind of like classic, you know pulp storytelling though like who is she gonna tell the father that it's actually somebody else's baby of course she's not so it's gonna be what are we gonna live a lie or we're not gonna have the baby or are we gonna have the baby and i you know it's like it's all these things and it's it's a very it's what this show does it's kind of taking a lot of old cliches like that and just retelling them in sort of new interesting ways maybe at the time i don't know I mean, I would say the next one that they really do is like the tea and sympathy thing with, you know, Stephen and Claudia, you know, like her name gets dropped a lot in this episode. So clearly Claudia is coming back at some point because they wouldn't keep mentioning her. Oh, yeah. They have probably already written up that contract for next season because she's this 
presence, this specter over the whole show. And she's one of the ones that have been there since the beginning. But unfortunately, no Pamela Bellwood this well, episode. Well, you know, according to that Playboy article that Pamela was the star of. Mm, her you know, African was, safari. Yes. Well, you know, she was a little bit on the stage. She did some other things. And then, you know, she was traveling. And that was like her thing. Like she wanted to travel. And I guess... You know, she spent some dynasty bucks traveling. Topless. And now, and now it was time to come back from the safari. And, you know, so, yeah, I guess we'll see her soon. Yeah, I'll be excited. I know some of the things with her, she gets a lot more ingrained into the plot. She's not just some housewife who's banging some young rich guy. I'll be excited to see what happens with her. But, yeah, she's not a big uh, part of the plot. Well, she's no part of the plot, but she's just something that gets name-dropped. I mean, hell, she's just a reason for them to go outside of Denver. Yeah. So there's this. Yeah, I mean, there is a practicality to that. Well, that's the same thing as La Mirage. Like, we have to have a place to go that's not the Carrington Mansion. Yeah. And is this the same cabin where he consummated his marriage with Sammy Joe? Oh, I don't know. That's that's a a proper uh, identification. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. That's what I kept thinking. It's probably not. Or at least if it is, it's not on purpose. But yeah, sure. I let, let's let's just button that up. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, that's that's the place where people go to catch on fire. <laughs> now, one of my favorite parts of the episode is this doctor's convention that brings back the old timey well, doctor. What is this Mountain States <laughs> Medical Convention or whatever it's sure, like? Mountain sure. States. It's. I mean, I guess maybe that was a thing at the time, like with like regional. You know, identification as mountain states. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have Facebook groups back then, so they had to get together at La Mirage and talk about the latest in drug therapy <laughs> over a double scotch. I just love that scene with all of those extras dressed as doctors at a convention. And then everybody <laughs> is just trying. At this point, Dynasty's so famous, I think even if you're an extra, it's a big deal. So you're all going for it. You've got yeah. that one woman at the desk, like pushing her way forward to get her messages. And then you've got the mustached bartender who's serving up the double scotches and the Bloody Marys. Yeah. It's just it's so funny to see people trying to find their Give light. them a stick of gum. They'll chew forever. <laughs> but yeah, what drugs was Adam Carrington addicted to that well, had such a lasting effect? on? I, him? I think it's interesting. You know, you're bringing this up and I think there's like a sort of an undercurrent of addiction happening here throughout the episode. There's a lot of uh, like you see the bartender is even drinking it, like it's a it's a throwaway cut. You wouldn't really notice. Well, that's it, what I was like, talking about. The extras really yeah. giving it their all right because that bartender was like, yeah, shooting some and, screwdriver. And, and I like that the doctor says I won't have anything. But then like Fallon's having a Bloody Mary and it's probably like 8.30 a.m. or something. That was the other thing. I can't tell what time it is. This conference going on. She's ordering a Bloody Mary. He's ordering a scotch. It seems like it's the end of the day, but it also could be 8 a.m. Who knows what's going on at La Mirage? It really is just limbo well th- I, there is like or purgatory as y- you like yeah to say. there there is a a thing at la mirage specifically related to this theme i mean there is like the drug addiction the alcoholism there's it's like fallon's halfway house yeah <laughs> but this is kind of a pivotal point and i do applaud the writers because this damn teal paint storyline kind of just comes doesn't to go away head. yeah it really doesn't there's lingering Mental effects. Fumes that keep fuming. (laughs) But yeah, the old timey doctor kind of clinches it because I guess the when Adam was a lawyer back in Billings, there was a a case involving what's the the poison called? Metamucil? (laughs) 
mer- mercuric oxide. Mer- I wanted to look this up because I smell bullshit, but I don't know. Maybe this is a real thing. I, I okay, well, not to promote it again, but we do talk about this, how this was based on a real <laughs> case in the bonus episode with the Men of Dynasty. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, they talked about that pretty extensively. Can I watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah. Anyway, so I guess they're going to all figure this paint out. I I thought Adam got away with it, but unfortunately not. Or maybe he will. I mean, you know, that that's what they do. They tease things. And this is also akin to cliffhanger stories. Like, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Like. Is this going to be something that matters? Maybe. Oh, it won't. Well, you mean like an unintentional cliffhanger because sure. the writers may or may not pick it back right, up. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, who knows what the what the execs at ABC were thinking at the time? I mean, True that. Well, they couldn't even commit to you know Stephen being a gay character. So who knows what else is you know afoot? Well, he's gay right now, I guess. The other thing about Adam is he is played up as one of these like suspects that could have gone to the cabin and and locked alexis and crystal up and well what tor- could, what torched could, them what could be more scooby-doo than the begloved villain all you see is like a gloved figure you know pouring gasoline on a cabin yeah you just see the the boot cut jeans and the gloves and the traipsing around now i have to say i don't know a lot about cabin architecture but would you this is this is a pretty fancy cabin it's fancy, but it's also... Like, the footprint is not a square. Yeah, it's got a lot of shapes to it, and it has a lot of windows that are easily blown out by fire, and then it has a big padlock on the outside. Now, is that a, come standard in most cabins, where you can padlock it from the outside? It sounds like one of those things that just is convenient. I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe the glove... Maybe fi- back then people were into locking themselves into a cabin. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think the glove figure may have came earlier in the day and installed that just for this very moment. Anyway, let's go through the suspects. I actually, you know, I know some things. This is my first time watching Dynasty. I don't know who did it. I have a pretty good feeling, but I like the fact that there's something I don't know. Because, you know, I know some characters die. But nobody's coming to Dynasty for that. If I want that, I'd turn on Murder, She Wrote. But this is the thing. They had to do this so you all summer at your, you know, (laughs) Bloody Mary Tupperware parties were talking with your friends. Who do you think lit the cabin on fire? I mean... At this point, I think it, the this JR stuff was the moment happening. we had moved on from Tupperware and it was Mary Kay Cosmetics. Okay, whatever you're into, you needed something to talk about. And they're giving it to you. And they're giving, I could, t- I could count one, two, three, four, five suspects, all white men. <laughs> all, all straight white men, too. <laughs> so there we go. So suspect. Well, one thing I would point out... um, I mean, some of these suspects are way more interesting than others. I mean, (laughs) they try to make Mark Jennings a suspect because he comes in to the penthouse and is like, oh, we need to talk about something we already talked about. And if you cross me, I might hurt you. It's like, this is a stretch. Are we really going to, you know, revision history, Mark Jennings into being an arsonist? And so, therefore, he's supposed to be a suspect, but I don't think that he is but sure he's got a motive like all the rest of these people how did you get up here doorman knows me why not i've had afternoon rendezvous in this cesspool before what do you want mark i mean the problem is this is alexis's dastardly deeds and that's what you're sort of seeing throughout this whole episode and 
Therefore, everybody who interacts with her is supposed to have a motive to want to burn her cabin down. Yeah, well, and it's just what a day she's having where she has. I mean, she doesn't come across Neil McVeigh again. He kind of gives his motive to Blake. But all the the other four guys, including her own son, Adam Carrington, all kind of confront her on the same day that that she gets lit on fire. So Mark is one. But then you've got the Neil McVeigh character who's also actually tried to kill her like on screen. Yeah, I think Um, it's him. And then I don't know. There's there's uh, Joseph, Joseph, the the major domo. Uh, He's also got some small motive, maybe, perhaps. I don't know. So, you know, this is all just sort of it's very Scooby Doo. So it's a cast of B characters. Do you remember who did it? I don't actually. (laughs) Okay. And actually, it may turn out to be not anybody specifically. And it doesn't matter. I don't know. It could be. I don't really care either. It could be Tony. Because the cabin burning down is like the least of my concerns with this show so this this whodunit of it all is not really turning me on i hope it's that nurse what was the baby nurse's name christine right yeah christine you know that could have gone somewhere and it just they just dropped that thread i don't know what that was because she had that sort of like sociopathic quality you Mm -hmm. know that that Adam clearly has, and that's sort of what's made his character work all this time. I mean, let's let's talk about acting for a second, because, like, frankly, let's let's just go through. Now that we've had three seasons with these people, as much as I don't like the character, Gordon is like a great actor and i think in this situation he's probably out acting everybody uh joan collins has great moments um but there's even things where she's just kind of relying on what she does yeah like flipping did you i oh, counted there's a lot three of or yeah. four real With that mushroom term <laughs> what is that she's gonna pull something <laughs> if she keeps flipping around like that i mean i love it for dramatic sake but come on honey we need like one or two of those an episode i literally really counted three or four times she was whipping her head around and the the extras are always just extra bit players yeah (laughs) they're never good um i think a lot of like even crystal like you know linda evans again it's kind of a one note like she does what she does and it's it's pretty you know it, it serves up pretty warm but it's not like the most delicious thing on the table I do. I, I did like that we didn't really get a resolution with her leaving Blake, that she's just kind of staying at La Mirage because she's done it before. We know she's always gone back. So I kind of like her just being off on her own. And I hope it continues into the fourth season. I'm sure it won't. But well, I mean, the thing with that is like, oh, I'm going to pack my bags. I'm leaving. I'm going to La Mirage. Like I need that on a T-shirt. Well, she doesn't sticker. have any other cards to play. And it was pretty juicy. uh detail in the cabin that she revealed or that alexis revealed that crystal has a prenup for what what did she say 100k yeah we're not putting numbers on stuff (laughs) yeah it's a hundred thousand dollars she's literally showing us the receipts so yeah her deal was to get out of blake's life for one million dollars which why who cares it makes no sense to me it's so quaint how one million dollars is always like at least then like that 
you know, that tiki. Yeah, but you know, I mean, like that's that's what's going to fix your life as one million dollar check. You know? Well, I'm sure it would be a nice chunk of change back in the 80s. But I mean, I take it. I'd, I'd take a million dollars now. Yeah. Well, now that I know that the prenup is only worth 100K, of course, the I mean, the, the sales pitch is great. I just don't understand why she feels the need to pitch this to Crystal, because what what obstacle is Crystal to Alexis for taking over Denver Carrington? None. Oh, no, but like Alexis wants Crystal out of the picture because then she can control Blake. That's This is all three steps ahead chess moves, you know. I don't really think Crystal's any interference. Well, that, this is, of course, also that, uh, that old misogynist idea of, you know, women against each other because they're fighting over some man. Alexis has a problem with Crystal because she's married to Blake, her ex-husband. So that's also well, some, the thing supposed that's to be some more pretty motive. fucked up about it is Alexis is basically wanting to do to Crystal what Blake did to her and exile her to um, Acapulco and Bali and all of the places. I mean, we've all had our lamarages. <laughs> which I love. That's sort of a, I don't know if that's an intentional play on words because it is like, you know, we've all had mirages, illusions. Oh, yeah. Places we go to to pretend, you know, which is just all white. I, I think La Mirage is like the, the greatest, you know, metaphor in the show. Yeah. Well, and I just love how Crystal called her a master of disgust. You're finally trying to buy me off. Crystal, life is a marketplace. People buy, people sell. I am a master of both. You're a master of disgust, Alexis. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> Next time somebody pisses me off, I'm going to call them a master of disgust. <laughs> What a great burn. <laughs> well, I mean, like, can we just say for a minute, or can I just mention the Pamela Sue Martin at the breakfast nook? <laughs> like, oh, we didn't even talk about the like, ham. The You're servant right. is like, would you like some ham? And she's like, no, I'll have two eggs poached. I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but like the acting is so terrible. And it's not on Pamela Sue. It's just like. Oh, I so hammy. I thought the acting was fine. <laughs> yeah, my issue was with the ham. I mean, is this a weekday? Is this a Sunday brunch? What is the food budget at the Carrington Mansion that they just have ham sitting out that apparently nobody's even touching? Well, and it, of course it's served in like, you know, the Godard silver and all this stuff. Like, you know, it, it's of course it's supposed to be like a lifestyles of the rich and famous situation, but it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, just make the food to order. Don't cook a whole ham and I leave guess it the problem though is like none of the acting in that scene was particularly admirable and so the ham kind of took over everything <laughs> in all senses of that word i want the ham to be in the opening <laughs> credits for the fourth season show hammy dun, dun, dun. ham all right well let's take a break and get into the fashions for the third season finale there were quite a few looks <laughs> Now it's the part of the episode where Kyler and I pick our looks of the week. You go first. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know. I would just I would say there's a dishonorable mention to all of the uh, bad Scottish hunting attire that Crystal and Alexis are wearing in the cabin. Yeah, the cabin. What is that tam o shanter? What is the the bad boots with the pants thing that Crystal tucked right in? I don't know. It's it's it it's, makes sense when she's going to go horse riding, but she was just going to go talk to Stephen at the, at a cabin. So I right. don't understand why she needed to boot up for that. She probably pulled up in a Toyota Corolla wearing. <laughs> So what what is this this look? I I don't know. I just have to think that because there were stunt doubles involved because of the fire stunted tree that they needed to kind of cover them up 
more so the women uh, that were being their stunt women or maybe the men if you're a conspiracy theorist had to be um covered you know what i mean oh that's a a practical consideration or protected like with fire protection so it's like all right alexis is putting on a beret a scarf sunglasses gloves a jacket a mini skirt pants boots yeah i mean the more you're putting this together the more i'm believing the conspiracy theory So, but it, those weren't my looks. Of it the also week. kind of goes with the uh, with Adam. I think we've complained about this before, but like Adam's weird office with the bad feng shui. First of all, it's like that country tavern look. I don't know what that is or why it was popular at the time. But anyway, so it's interesting there. But is that supposed to be a Billings, Montana callback? I don't know. But also, why is the front door hidden from the entrance so that he never knows who's coming into his office? I think that happened at least three times in this episode. I think it's for dramatic effect. Oh, it's definitely they built that office because they realized we've got to have like surprise visitors come into this boring ass office. But yeah, thank God that office didn't catch on fire because everybody would die in there the way that it's laid out. Yeah, that would be a towering inferno of bad country attire. There's got to be a morning (laughs) after. Wrong movie. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. As far as like, honestly, the clothes were fine. There wasn't anything that stood out to me. Uh, oh, I disagree. I think we're supposed to like uh, Alexis's Phoenix embroidered jacket. Yes, Mama, she which, was a goddess. I mean, it, a Greek goddess. I know, but it's sort of asking to be admired, and so therefore, well, I don't love it. And but I will sh- say, you shall receive. If you look, the shoulders are constructed in a certain way that is kind of like hot couture tailoring so i appreciate like that aspect i mean who knows well, maybe she like, bought this off the rack at jc penny i have no idea oh but. please get fucked no the the pattern yeah it's almost like an epaulette kind of thing and then i like how it goes down into the peplum and the little belt is also gold I wanted to really like her white tuxedo look when she's hanging out yeah. in the penthouse and all the men are coming. Yeah, to that's kind her. of an easy one. But I, the tailoring yeah. on that left something to be deci- desired. It was a bit boxy. Well, again, I'll go back to this, though. Like, I don't love, love it. I don't think it's the most interesting thing she's ever worn. But it's interesting that it is Phoenix uh, themed. And maybe that's just me reading that into I it. Think I think you're reading know. it. You, I think you're totally reading into that. But I love it now that you're saying it. I'm here. I mean, for it. and also notice her mushroom perm kind of mimics the whole embroidered, you know, detail as well. So oh, I don't know. Yeah, there's something the, about all, all, the all of it. It does work as as sort of a thematically interesting costume, even if it's not like the best thing she's ever worn. So yeah, sure. I don't know. I didn't see it as flames. I saw it more as like pat, like a palmy floral sort of pattern. But now that you're saying flames, I love it. Flames on the sides of my shoulders. Heaving, hot flames. So anyway, you didn't have a look of the week, or you're agreeing that this is the look of the week? You know, or look of the week by default for a cliffhanger, supposed final episode of a season show. I'm kind of unimpressed. I'm I am left unimpressed with the costumes. Yeah, there wasn't anything really super showy except the phoenix before she goes into the ashes. I mean, I did. Crystal had a, a blue number when she was on the phone. That was kind of nice, but we've seen stuff like that before. But yeah, I mean, we didn't even talk about the split screen. I mean. That was another cheesy narrative cliche that is very Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that was high tech, I think. <laughs> when have you ever seen them do a split screen on here? 
I mean, it's supposed to be hot, but it's kind of just lukewarm. Burn. I guess we could say the final, final cut of the flames on the ceiling is, you know, quite dramatic. I think that's some B-roll from oh, it's some definitely other movie. B-roll. <laughs> that never happened anywhere We've near probably any seen that B-roll actors. in at least four other Aaron Spelling shows at yeah. some point. I need so. to do a Google image search on those flames because they were not filmed for Dynasty. That was like a warehouse in Alme- Alameda. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Warehouse in Alameda. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Dynasty as They Want to Be. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me um, again. And again and again and again. You guys, I don't know what's happening with this podcast. Are we going to do the fourth season or not, Kyler? What do you think? Yeah, of course we are. We took a hiatus. I think we might take more of a hiatus. I don't know. Let's hear from the darlings. What do you want? Do we need to restructure this podcast where we talk about... (laughs) I I think the darlings are dearly departed. <laughs> no, <point>. no, they've <laughs> been writing. They've been demanding this this season finale. But I don't know. I, maybe I kind of feel like after talking to the men of Dynasty, maybe we should talk to more people that you know are still alive that were on the show. Maybe we should restructure Dynasty as they want oh, to be. No, to I'm be. not doing legacy. No. <laughs> you just want to watch the episodes and be left alone. I'm right? not being some steward of this show well i have a calling i feel the calling (laughs) but i don't know i want to hear from you guys what do you think do would you like us to just record the entire fourth season and then just kind of release it piecemeal instead of having a cliffhanger do you want to wait until paramount plus puts it on the streaming service or do we think we'll all be dead by then i don't know i really don't know what the future holds for dynasty as they want to be did you know that when somebody's calling you have the option not to answer the phone (laughs) is that why you don't pick up when i call it goes straight to voicemail Anyway, let us know. Our social medias are still open and available. The website is still there, nastypodcast.com. Operators are standing by. No, what is our website? I don't even know our website. I think it's Dynasty as they want to be. I think it's been reclaimed by the government at this point. Our social media is still open. Our website is still online, nastypodcast.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on all the places at Nasty Podcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y. Reach out and let us know. Do you want us to keep drilling into every episode or do you want us to start drilling into the stars? Let us know what you think the future of the podcast could be or are we just being lazy? We're not being lazy. We're being so Wagnerian. (laughs) Oh, somebody's been listening to Alexis again. Well, I want to hear from the Sisterhood of Beautiful Women. Tell us what you think the future of the podcast should be at Nasty Podcast. I'm not here to talk about the Sisterhood of Beautiful Women.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.